Welcome to the Leadership Mindset Podcast with me, Tony Brooks, where we look to revolutionise your leadership mindset by changing how you think and see your world, enabling you to do the right things and grow significantly as a leader. Hi, I'm Tony Brooks and welcome back to the Leadership Mindset Podcast Series. This is where we help you shift your thinking so that you see yourself and you see your world differently, so you do more of the right things as a leader and get better results. And... This podcast is going to be the ninth skill out of the Think, See, Do model and my own leadership development model and it is actually the final skill. So just to give you a flavour of where we've been with this, in skills one, two and three, we looked at how you think, see and do in relation to yourself first of all, which I package all of those together about your own self-leadership and I actually believe that is fundamental to your success as a leader in an organisation. I think if you as the head of an organisation or you as a leader within, if you can't lead yourself effectively first, you will really struggle to get the best out of your people and to get the best results. So I, I genuinely believe that the journey as a leader in terms of improving starts with how you lead yourself. And in those three skills, we looked at, first of all, how you think. So things like, how do you speak to yourself as a leader? What language do you use? And then we looked at your leadership identity and what kind of identity are you looking to build for yourself as a leader? And we also looked at your personal effectiveness and your habits. So in that whole self-leadership piece, we looked at those three skills. Then in the Think, See, Do model, we moved on to First of all, how you see your organisation, which is how you build a winning culture. So how do you think about your culture uh, on a day-to-day basis and how do your people think about it? And that is about the living, breathing culture of your organisation. How do you see your people? So that in terms of how you lead them and what is your perception of them? Because in that particular skill, skill five, I was looking at the importance of seeing your, your people more positively and actually relating to them in a more positive way because you will get more out of them. And yes, dealing with the people who underperform, but often I hear in businesses, there isn't enough appreciation, people aren't valued enough. And I think, to be honest, I think if we all look in the mirror, maybe we don't give our people enough appreciation. And then in skill six, so all these different aspects of how, how we think, see and do about people, it was about communication skills, holding effective meetings, presenting well, all of those different ways that we communicate with our people. And then in the final three areas of the Think, See, Do model, we first of all looked about how you free up your thinking to become more creative and strategic. And in the last podcast in Skill 8, we looked at your your vision for the future an inspiring vision that can be both an aspirational vision and a structured vision and also how do you want to be seen by your customers and seen in the marketplace and seen by people who you're looking to recruit so in this final skill not the final podcast i hasten to add but in this final skill we're going to look at the importance of world-class delivery and in the future i'm going to do some drill downs on particular aspects of the skills what i wanted to do through the podcast series is give a flavour of the nine skills, but I also want to do some deep dives into particular aspects. For example, um, the issue of language for me and self-talk, I, I really want to drill down on that. And there are other aspects that I will draw down on in the future as well. But for today, we're going to look at world-class delivery. And 
I've picked three different areas in terms of upping your game as a leader in an organization in the way you deliver. The first is going to be how you drill down from that long-term strategic vision into short-term planning, and particularly for me, how you put together 90-day plans. Then we're going to look at measures, the importance of measuring for success. You may have heard of KPIs, key performance indicators, but what measures do you have in place? And then finally, we're going to look at some thoughts on how you deliver exceptional customer service. So this whole skill is about world-class delivery, but it is how you keep yourself on track with your various projects, whether they be for clients, new product development, services, internal projects, whatever they might be, how you keep uh, a score of where you're going or where you're moving to and making sure you're on track and then some ideas on exceptional customer service. So let's start with the drill down from the strategic vision that we looked at in skill number eight. So we have this idea of where we want to get to in the future and we have some structure around that in terms of what we talked about in skill eight was having a three year, two year, one year plotted out in the different aspects of the business. But you're then going to want to have particular 90 day plans. And I think, first of all, this starts with looking at, say, for example, where you want to get to in the year in relation to your sales and marketing, your people, product development, and then thinking about for the next 90 days, what are the outcomes that we want to achieve? If it was a good 90 days, what do we want to achieve? So know and have that very specific. Where do we want to be in 90 days in terms of our outcomes? Then you might think, okay, if we're going to be there, what are our milestones on the journey? Where do we need to be in 30 days on a particular piece to make sure that we're on track to hit 90 days? And then you can start to put more detailed plans together that will actually map out each of the different goals or outcomes that you're looking to achieve in 90 days and go down to the more specifics of how you're going to get there. So what needs to happen when? Who's doing it? How will you know when it's been completed? How do you sequence it? So what needs doing first before you move on to something else? And one of the important things I always say, actually, there's this famous quote by Bill Gates that often leaders, people don't dream big enough when they look into the future. So when we looked at skill eight in terms of aspirational visions and where you want to get in the longer term, um, because often we can achieve way more than we believe we can achieve in the future. So that's all about fulfilling our potential as an individual and an organization. But the other part of it is that we more often than not don't achieve what we set out in the short term because we're unrealistic. So one of the things I always do with clients when we look at 90 day planning is say, does this look realistic? And if I start to see that it maybe doesn't, I'll challenge it. Another danger, which you might want to keep in mind, is that when people put together 90-day plans, it's a 13-week period, and nearly all the activities come in the first three or four weeks. So often I'll say, there is 13 weeks here. So when you're starting to plot out where you're looking to get to over the 90 days, be realistic, 
and also know that it doesn't all have to be done in the first three or four weeks. I know that the, one of the biggest dilemmas for leaders, for people, is we want to see things shift and change quickly. But being more realistic with that is important. Funnily enough, I was sitting with a client a couple of days ago and they really had a tight deadline. And I said, why do you want to achieve it by then? They said, just because I want to. I said, but it's going to put an enormous amount of pressure on you and your people. And they said, OK, actually, it can go about 30 days. And that was more sensible. Accompanying this podcast is a LinkedIn article and a blog on my two websites, the thetonybrooks.com and the leadershiptrainingworkshop.com, because I'm going to explain about the approach I do for 90-day planning, but you may want to go to the actual accompanying blog and look at the visual example, just so you can maybe get clarity in your mind. Now, to be fair, the, the method that I use for 90-day planning is what's typically called a Gantt chart. And I used to be a project IT project manager in my uh, career before starting my own business. And I used to use Microsoft Project a lot. And one of the parts of Microsoft Project is this sort of Gantt style planning. So I got very used to that and I really like it and I think it works well. And I've used it for my own business for the 12 years I've been running it. And I use it with um, a lot of my clients as well. So the idea here is that it almost looks a bit like a spreadsheet. First column, you've got your goal, your key outcome that you want to achieve. Second column, you break it down into activities. So what are the various things that need to happen to achieve that outcome? Your next column will be who. So you can put initials against the people that will be involved in that activity. And then you have 13 columns, which is week one up to week 13. So the 90 day period. And what you do then is you just start to color in or fill in the boxes to show when things will be happening week by week. So, for example, if you were going to put a new website live, you're working on a website for your company. And the first thing you need to do is design or work on the design. That may take four weeks to do that. Weeks one, two, three, four. So you fill in those four boxes. And then once that's done, you may want to move on to creating the copy for the website. So week five and six are then filled in for the activity relating to doing the copy and so on and so forth so that you start to build a plan. Now, the way that I work then is week by week for me on a Sunday, whatever day's right, might be a Friday afternoon for your Monday morning. On a Sunday, I get my day plan. I look at the specific column for the week. So rather than putting week one to 13 above those columns, I will typically put the week commencing date. So when it comes to next week, when um, for, you know we're in September now, it's the 23rd of September on Monday, I'll look at week commencing 23rd of September. What are the tasks that are in that column to be done? And then I portion some time through the week in my diary and my planning so I give quality time to that. And it's also a good chance to do a reality check because you can look back one week and say, hang on, let me just sense check and make sure that I did everything that was supposed to do in the preceding column. Oh, hang on, and hang on, oh, I didn't quite finish that. So that needs to move forward. Also then, it may well be there's a big deal come through that you've got to work on or whatever it might be. So this week has not got as much capacity as you thought it would. So maybe you need to shuffle, shuffle your plan. So in the same way that the three circle approach I felt was very dynamic and you can adjust and change it, 90 day planning for me is not fixed in stone either. You've got to look on a week by week basis and be realistic and say, hang on, we need to, I need to adjust the plan. 
and it may be that you're working with your teams on this and you send check with them how they're getting on have they got the capacity to work on what you need to work on therefore what we've done now is taken the inner circle of that three circle vision the one year and we've broken it down into the first quarter and then you can keep repeating this 90-day cycle four times during the year if you if you haven't got this approach already if you adopt this approach it's a killer approach because it keeps you on track you know where you're looking to get your point b and you've broken it down into specific quarterly plans and then obviously the week by week view looking at each column of the 90-day plan just another final quick tip before we move off this area as well another thing i do on my 90-day plan is i have the week 1 to 13 view but then i have up to three columns after that which will be the remaining quarters of the year so if i'm in q1 for my business year my business year started in september so i'm in q1 at the minute then I'll have a Q2 column, a Q3 and a Q4 column, just in case I want to capture some things that I don't want to forget that I need to come to. Or it may be, and I've, I've seen this with a number of clients, they may have certain pieces that they want to repeat every quarter. So they'll put a blob into Q2, Q3, Q4 to remember to come back to those when you come down to the detail planning for each quarter because obviously you get to the end of your 13-week period your current quarter you then need to put time aside to replan the next quarter that's coming up in more detail so i'm suggesting a method of looking at 90-day planning whatever works for you i know some people use um, particular software solutions they use trello number of my clients use different project management tools so that's all good but the general principle of looking forward at your next 90 days knowing your outcomes knowing the milestones that need to be achieved on the way to achieving those 90 day outcomes and then doing some detailed planning tracking and adjusting as your plans as you go along is going to be critical to how well you deliver on projects products services internal projects and deliver for your customers the next component in world-class delivery is about measures so some of you may want to hide under the table or put a pillow over your head when i start talking about kpis but putting together a set of measures that will both personally keep you on track and also keep everyone on track is going to be really critical and I think, again, just sharing a, a couple of thoughts from my work, I think one of the mistakes that people can make with this is going into too much detail, having way too many KPIs and measures. And the other thing can be, are you picking measures that are really, really difficult to source? And are you picking measures that actually are not that meaningful? So sense check your measures. And my recommendation for you would be, look at the key aspects of your business which could start with financial sales and marketing operational people and culture and then look at four or five probably five maximum kpis under those and this is going to be almost like your high level dashboard and i understand that when you get to the intricacies of your marketing and how you track and measure that you may want to have all sorts of data on the website performance and everything else and I, and, and I do that as well but when it comes to high level measures that shows how the business is performing that everyone can see and everyone can actually appreciate what's happening and start to give some opinions and thoughts on then keep it a bit more high level so I would suggest four or five 
key measures in those four areas maybe maybe five or six areas if you want to add in something else but typically you're going to look at your financials you're going to want to look at your marketing and sales you may want to split the marketing and sales you want to look operational you want to look at people and culture now it may be that you've got a really big project going on in your business a 12-month project and you want to have some measures around that so maybe again then pick four or five measures on that particular project but then build yourself a dashboard now there are software tools you can use for kpis um, but to be honest how i've worked is i put one in an excel spreadsheet so i put uh, i color code it i'll have a different color for each aspect of my business and then i'll have those four or five measures um, down in the first column and then it's good actually to have an idea of a target for that so in the next column i'll have a target of where i would like to be with that measure and then month by month you just start to build a picture of what you've actually achieved in terms of those measures and this can be so informative because you can you can see the trends in how the data is moving you may make a change in a picture particular aspect so for example operationally you might introduce a new system and you want to see whether that affects operational efficiency and so your measures will be a really good indicator of whether that's worked or not your measures may alert you to potential problems so if for example actually another area that's good to add in in terms of the ones i mentioned is customer service so you may have some measures in terms of customer service and it may well be that your feedback scores are starting to drop up on your product quality the quality of the delivery and so that alerts you straight away to problems that you need to go into so i know going through this exercise of looking at measures can be a little painful and I've helped a number of my clients through it, but keep it simple, keep it meaningful, um, keep it easy so that the measures that you're collating are not going to take a lot of effort to pull together. And then on a month by month basis, bring that data together, review it and start to look at trends. And I think it would just be such an important thing for you to work on um, to keep yourself on track again we're talking about keeping on track to deliver it your very best so having those detailed plans but then having the measures in place that will say this is what we need to do the other thing about measures is as well it can keep you on track in terms of these are important measures for us to achieve on a regular basis so it's not just tracking but it's actually defining what needs to happen in the next period i don't know it may be the number of events that you're going to sponsor it might be the number of blogs that need to go on the website and the marketing side it's all those kind of things so it's a repeating measure that you need to make sure you're hitting finally in skill nine in the skill relating to world-class delivery we're going to look at delivering exceptional customer service so how do you provide the best customer service now for you it might be that you're the people you serve are actually internal people i used to work in an internal technical department for a period of time where our main clients really were the business so your customers may not be external but how do you deliver at the very best now we've looked at planning to keep you on track measuring to keep you on track to get those projects done however let's focus here more on some thoughts and ideas about 
how you can really raise your game in terms of providing the best customer service. First of all, get feedback. So that could be internal feedback from people you're interfacing with in the business or get feedback from your customers. Look at the case studies. It may be that you do posting implementation reviews for projects. That's another really good thing to do, actually. When you finish a project, either in terms of engaging your customer or even if you look at it internally, what went well, what didn't go so well, what do we learn from that? How do we raise the bar? So look at all the different forms of feedback and then look to act on that and then get feedback again and, and keep improving and improving. So here's some thoughts on how you can improve those particular aspects as well. First of all, get everyone internally focused on behaviours that will support your values and your value proposition, how you differentiate yourself, which we looked at in skills four and eight. So in skill four, we were looking at values and your culture. Skill eight, we were looking at value pr proposition, how you differentiate yourself. So strangely enough, I've done this exercise with three clients over the past couple of weeks. It's because sometimes we have values like being professional or whatever it might be, but drill under that and say, okay, what does that mean in terms of three, four, five behaviors that we as people internally will make sure we're consistently doing so we live in those values because the more you live your values and you live your value proposition the better service that you would deliver for sure also as part of your culture piece again build a will do culture that's really solution focused rather than problem focused so you definitely don't want to can't do focus and I've changed it from can do to will do because I think will do is a stronger statement. So get everybody, whenever there's a problem internally, if a client comes with a problem, get everyone thinking about how do we solve that? How do we solve that problem? How do we improve? And that means as well that in your relationships, I say it doesn't matter if, if they're internal or external, being more proactive as well. That's looking ahead what may go wrong or what could go wrong and starting to get yourself ready for that or thinking of where a customer might want to be in the future and showing that you're making moves and taking steps to actually support them with that. You can obviously use technology and other approaches to improve your services. So look at operationally how you deliver things. Do you need to change your system? Do you need to introduce new technology? And also look at the way the customers engage with you at every single touch point. So that's not just about your marketing and when you're selling, but once you start to actually take them on board as a client what's the experience like and how can that improve because remember that thing about people making perception of us perceptions of us so early on that we need to make sure that's right and they can start to build a negative perception of, of us quickly so all those different touch points through the marketing when we're actually selling our products and services to them when we're onboarding them as a client and then when we're delivering just keep looking at raising the game all the time Keep things simple as well. There's a great book um, about Apple, which is all about simplicity. Because there's, if you look at the Apple products, I'm not an Apple user, I hasten to add, but I, the one thing I do admire is the way they product their, their um, or put their products together, package their products, is very simple and very classy. And allegedly, that simple pr 
um, that simple sort of policy or uh, I guess culture is built throughout so when they're having meetings do they need that many people at a meeting can they trim down the number of people at a meeting so always looking for simplicity because I think we can overcomplicate things for ourselves and we can overcomplicate things for our customers so keep it simple as leaders also remember about the fact that you're serving your people because your people will often be the people on the front line may not be you it may well be that you are often on the front line as a leader but if you're a leader look to serve your people look to do the things they're going to enable and empower your people to deliver at their very best as well here's one of my favorites know the importance of doing what you say you will do always i have that as one of my values for my business and i like to think and i believe that i'm 95 percent or potentially more in keeping with that value so if i say if i meet somebody networking i say i'm going to do something if i i'm with a client if i say i'm going to do something i do it that means being on time with things it means being on time with delivery it means providing the things that you said you'd provide it really will differentiate you because I don't know about you, so often people and companies and organizations don't do what they say they'll do. They don't live up to their values. So for you and for your people and your organization, have it as a mantra. Do what you say you will do always because that will definitely be part and parcel of delivering a, a level of service that will differentiate you from the norm. Remember as well that we like to be treated in a particular way. So think about that in terms of how you treat others as well. And again, that could be other people within your organization, people in your team if you're a leader, um, your customers, your prospects. Know those basic things about how you like to be treated because they are pretty much common across you know, all human beings really. We have certain things. It's said that the most underused two words are thank you. Um, so actually being appreciative of things and all that kind all those different things are about part of the treatment and finally in this area um, I would suggest have a look at how other people do things as well so if you are out and about and you see an example of fantastic customer service keep it in mind and think how you can apply it in your organization I've had a couple of really brilliant experiences with flight companies over the sort of past year or so, I guess. And I've also had bad experiences. And my own experience, for example, of, of using Ryanair has been poor. So I've decided not to use Ryanair in the future. In fact, I flipped to using Jet2. And I thought that the treatment by Jet2 when I flew over to Spain early this year was fantastic. Right from going to the check-in desk to the way people were there to greet you when you were doing your final onboarding, looking after you on the flight. There was that attention to detail in terms of customer service. The other flight company I've had a great experience when I flew over to Dubai to do some training work was um, Emirates. And I remember going to the check-in desk and I was, due, and I was very early. Um, I made sure I was at the airport in Dubai very early. And the, the woman on the check-in desk said to me, we've actually got spaces on the flight before your flight. Would you like to take that instead? Now, she didn't have to do that, but she did it. And then she went further. She said, I see that you've got a middle seat on the existing flight, 
But would you actually like a window seat or an R seat? Because I can actually provide that for you if you move to the earlier flight. So not only did I get home earlier, but I got a window seat, which was more preferable. But I was just really impressed with that proactivity. I mentioned the word proactivity early on, that she actually looked outside the box, didn't just check me in for the flight I was on, but saw something different. So just a couple of examples from the the world of flying but you'll see them all over when you're walking around and you're you're going out for meals when you're going into shops to buy things just look at what you see as great customer service and think how you can build it into what you're doing with your organization so we've been looking on this podcast episode at world-class delivery we've looked at the importance of turning your long-term vision into meaningful project plans that could be 90-day plans for internal things within the business it could be project plans for clients but planning and keeping track and part of that keeping track is actually looking at the measures that you track on a regular basis month by month and then finally just some thoughts and ideas on getting feedback from your customer base even if that customer base is in an internal part of your organization and then a number of ways in terms of how you can raise your game in customer service and keep getting feedback keep looking at the testimonials because ultimately what you want to achieve are some fantastic testimonials and recommendations and you might even want to do that you might even want to sketch down what would be the best testimonial that could be given by a customer about your organization your team work with your people on that have a bit of fun but put together what would be almost like the most unbelievable testimonial and then think How do we get there? How do we use these different aspects to make sure we get there? So I'll be with you on future podcasts, episodes. We've actually finished looking at the nine skills initially of the Think, See, Do model. Today was skill nine. But as I say, we'll do some deep dives back into particular aspects of each of those skills. And we've got some great interviews lined up for the future as well. So if you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast series, Leadership Mindset. You can find us on Apple, Stitcher and on the podcast apps and also the podcast episodes are available on both my websites the tonybrooks.com and the leadership training workshop.com so keep engaged keep giving me feedback on what you're finding interesting what you're finding useful from the podcast and any thoughts on things that you feel would be useful for the future and also potential people to interview for the future as well because that's always interesting to look at so i look forward to seeing you on the next podcast episode If you want to explore your leadership mindset in more detail, why not complete our free leadership diagnostic at thetonybrooks.com and subscribe to this podcast to join us for future podcasts.